Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Transitioning with Mari Viner. Join us as we dive into a beautiful and important conversation about Mari's life as a transgender woman. Mari's journey of discovery has run alongside her passion for justice and ambitions for a brighter future for all LGBTQIA people and their allies. We talk through the different pronouns in terms of identity, what it means to navigate the world of dating and social interactions as a trans person, the experience of going through transition, and how below the surface we are more alike than we think. This episode was recorded on Trans Remembrance Day in 2019. We take a moment of silence to honour those who have been killed in trans-related violence. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Hi, Mari. Welcome to Let's Be Honest. Hi. Thank How you for are having you? Me. I'm good. Good, good. Um, this is our first time actually meeting in person, isn't yeah. it? Well, yeah. I'm so happy to have you. You've come down from Wales. We're recording in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not very sunny Cornwall right now. No, it's, it's quite um, grey and depressing. Grey. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm honoured to have you. Thank you for making the journey and for no, being willing to do this because. It's um it's a brave thing to come and talk about your views on anything. Some people just have a hard time opening up and mm. that's a big thing in itself. But for an issue that's really personal to you and today's episode is called Let's Talk About Transitioning. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about all things to do with your journey and what I would really like to do in this episode because I think it's really important. I want to gain as much education and knowledge as possible for me too and I think oh, yeah. the listeners of this episode will be um, educated as well so I want to talk about things that maybe certain generations don't even know exist let mm. alone like not really know the right way to do it like they're brand new concepts so I'm really excited to, to dive in and talk about everything in a really expansive and open way and I really think you're an amazing person to do that with so thank you again thank you for thinking (laughs) of course I think you're brilliant so we are in England Mm -hmm. what was England like growing up for you as a kid I mean I did most of my growing up in uh in Wales Mm -hmm. um but as a kid it was pretty fine up until about high school level where I started getting lots of uh, thoughts of like self doubt and um, not being sure of my my gender identity or my sexual orientation, mm-hmm. um, which to be honest, I'm still not sure on that last one. I think those things um, are like an evolving journey for most people. Yeah, it, it's mostly been fine. Uh, I did get picked on quite mm-hmm. a lot in the younger years of secondary school, mainly for being. A little bit, you know, smaller, and uh, I didn't hit uh, puberty as quick as most of the other kids at mm-hmm. the time, and so I was always very like light voiced and you know stereotypically masculine mm-hmm. at the time. Were there lots of feelings of comparison? Do you think between mm. you and those who are around you? Yeah, definitely. There was lots of oh, you don't want to be like them towards me, which sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This... And how old are you now? I'm twenty now. Twenty, which I'm not that much older than you. I'm about to be twenty six. Mm. I mean, I definitely did a lot of growing between twenty and twenty six. So in years, it's not that much, but developmentally, you know, you go through a lot in those years, and. 
I know that 20 is a really vulnerable age in so many ways because you you are on a really tender part of the journey of figuring out who you are and I know I'm still on that and as I mentioned earlier like it's it's a continued journey for most people who are open to it of course there's people who walk the earth and live their lives not even considering things such as identifying what they think they are they just sort of live their life do a nine to five make sure there's food on the table and just not really get into that pocket of things I think that it's obviously become a much more prominent conversation for our generation. Definitely. How many years do you think the the gender conversation has been happening for? Five? I've been seeing it a lot in, like, the past, you know, five, six, maybe seven years. Yeah. Um, so so in, the ter- in terms of, like, things changing, because we know as we look through society, whether it's black people getting their rights or women getting the right to vote change takes a lot of time so this is a fresh conversation Mm -hmm. but i think that even though it's a fresh conversation i think it's the older generation who would be the ones who have a really difficult time with it and would cause it to be such a delayed process of change most of my experience of talking about issues such as uh, gender identity or sexual orientation with millennials and i said the Generation Z, is that the one that's below us? Uh, I've been part of Gen, uh, Gen Z. Gen Z, okay. They see it, The general norm response I've experienced is people are quite accepting of it. Yeah. And in terms of change and the pace of change, the fact that this conversation has been happening for, let's be honest, a handful of years, which mm-hmm. compared to other changes in society is minuscule, there has been rapid change very quickly. You know, I was Mm. reading an article yesterday, I believe it's the University of Vermont, I believe that's correct, that now allow their students, when they're basically being put in the the database with all their personal information, they get to select which gender uh, pronouns they'd like, if they want a preferred name, things that in the grand scheme of things, like for a company or university, that's nothing to them to make that option available. But to the people that it affects, it's monumental that those options are allowed and and available. So I think it's really interesting that it has been a brand new sort of concept, but yet really under society's wing very quickly of of Mm -hmm. people are very protective about it. And when we talk about the LGBTQIA community and the straight alliance, I've also found that a lot of people who identify as cis straight people, and we'll go into what all of those different words mean for people who don't know, mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of alliance and protection of those who are in that community. So overall, I know there are there are pockets of things that are dark and people struggle, but in my experience, having trans friends, having queer friends across all parts of the world, the general consensus to be, seems to be absolutely this is something we've got to protect and we've got to move forward until it's widely accepted. Has yeah. that been your experience as well? I, I definitely think that it is important that it moves forward mm-hmm. uh, because unfortunately we, uh, I say we, uh, you know, the LGBTQIA as a group, do get targeted of course uh, by you know like hate crimes mm. and violence and it's awful yeah in no way mm. would me when i was saying that it's something that seems to be the protective side of it from those who are protective in no way am i disregarding or forgetting that there's nobody more 
attacked really probably than than those in the queer community and and of course I recognize that that those things go on Mm -hmm. um and maybe my perception of it being a positive thing I think it is a positive thing that the conversation's happening I feel protective about it I'm very conscious of protecting my friends in the queer community and wanting to make sure that I'm a part of this conversation moving forward by getting educated and has the conversation in somewhere like South Wales been prominent or is it something that's not really talked about it's still very odd and Uh, at least the rural parts Mm. of of South Wales. I'm sure in a place like Cardiff, where they do have things like pride parades, Mm -hmm. uh, the notion is more widespread. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the smaller towns surrounding that, it's still very, especially with with transgender people, Mm -hmm. it's still unfortunately very um, taboo, Mm -hmm. almost. People don't like talking about it. People see it as you know kind of weird throwing names and getting weird looks and stuff Mm. and it's really unfortunate and I don't think it's it's fair at all really absolutely not I want to go through almost as as a bullet point list because I think it's really important for the education of some of the the keywords that we're using that are used in society today and that we're going to use in the in the conversation now I've referred to the group as a queer community Mm -hmm. and I know that some people use the word queer in a derogatory way and are offended by it for those that are in the LGBTQI a community mm-hmm. i take it as a positive experience most of my friends who i know in that community do identify it as the umbrella label being queer yeah and definitely. in places like los angeles which is where i really got most of my exposure it's a positive word yeah so just going through those um letters we have l for lesbian g for gay B for bisexual, T for transgender, I for intersex, intersex. and A is for asexual. Yep. So it's a abbreviation of letters that represent the group and it's the umbrella term for mm. the entire group and, and for those who are in it. Most people commonly know it as the LGBT community. Yeah. Oh, we forgot Q. Q is for queer. Yeah. And I think it's important to break those things down because part of this podcast is Let's Be Honest. And the notion behind it is let's not be afraid to get into the details of things. We're not going to let parts of conversation that affect a lot of people sit in the dark and be afraid of them. Because when conversations like that sit in the dark, there's confusion, there's ignorance, there's misguidance. And I think it's really important to to shed things into the light. Yeah, Um. So lesbian is for two women and it can be cis or transgender and yeah. cis which is spelled c-i-s is for somebody that uh, um identifies as the as the sex that they were given at birth yeah and we have gay which is for two men again that could be transgender or cis because am i right in saying that you can be transgender and have your gender identity doesn't necessarily equal your sexual orientation no, say like if you were a cis man dating a trans man that would be gay right uh though some lesbians do prefer being called gay as well so mm-hmm. it gets a little tricky and confusing at yeah times, but, but that's why we've know. got to talk about it yeah, of course. and that's part of the conversation i was actually having with my parents the other day because we were talking about these issues that that's i think people have got to get those things separated in their mind that sexual orientation and gender identity although they may run parallel to each other are two at sometimes different conversations and then bisexual is for people who are interested in both genders or both sexes it 
can also be uh, inclusive of um, what well, it can also mean being attracted to one's own gender and anything else okay. on like a spectrum. Is that pansexual? And uh, no, it's it's slightly different. Okay, I think pansexual, uh, pansexuality, and the bisexuality I described. There's still different ways of identifying. Okay, it's again, it's very <laughs> tricky. It's complex, but it's important yeah. that people learn the right words and use the inclusive terms that are available to us because mm-hmm. it's important that people get represented. And Q is for queer, which to my understanding is a umbrella term for people who identify as non-straight. Is that a fair description? Uh, it can be non-straight. I know some non-binary folk like going by queer as well. Okay, so that um, is a queer can be a word in the conversation of gender identity or sexual orientation. Yeah. So it's a sort of multifunctional word. Yeah, like genderqueer. Yes. And intersex is from what I understand, people who were born with both or parts of um, the male and female genitalia. Yeah. Do you think that would fall more in the gender identity conversation? Yeah, definitely identity. Okay. And asexual is for people who who don't have sexual feelings or sexual interests. So I think it's really important that people understand that that is a word, what all of those letters mean, and what it means to be all of those different categories of identification. And then within the gender conversation, I'd like you to walk us through that if you feel up to it or okay with it, because that's an area where I'm still learning. Yeah. Uh, living in LA, I was around a lot of people in the community and feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the sexual orientation identity conversation i did notice that there's no p in that um, abbreviation though for pansexual no normally it's um shortened down to you know lgbtqi plus okay just to be because otherwise yeah Mm -hmm. otherwise we'd be going on (laughs) we'd have the whole alphabet yeah Yeah. okay so there so if people see that uh symbol anywhere they can understand that the plus is is an inclusion for all identities. Yeah, for anyone who isn't already included in that first main little bracket. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So will you walk us through the gender identity? I, the last time I really did some research on it was when National Geographic, might have been last year, might have been a couple of years ago, honestly can't remember, they brought out the Gender Revolution edition of their magazine and the whole magazine was dedicated to the topic on gender revolution. mm -hmm. And they literally went through in a very helpful and clear way, which is what we're aiming to do now, of going through all of the different identifications, and they listed 12. I don't even know 12. I I was shocked, and I was shocked that I wasn't aware of it, and it just wasn't a part of our education. Yeah. I might look it up as a reference, if I can hand that over to you, of, of explaining your perspective on the gender identity conversation. Yeah, with, in terms of gender identity, I think, that people should be allowed to experiment and, you know, find what sort of label suits them. Like, for example, uh, you know, these transgender people, people who go from uh, the one gender identity to the other. For my example, I was born and raised as a male. And growing up I noticed I felt these feelings of not being male and more identifying with feminine stuff and wanting to be feminine and uh, 
that you know that was my example but then you've got people who are like non-binary meaning they they can be basically they can, they can feel kind of not just, one or the other not one or the other and not like picking either either just kind of being androgynous a lot of the time mm-hmm. uh, obviously they can be more you know masculine and feminine mm-hmm. it's sort of a label for people. people who don't want a label yeah is that it, a fair way of describing yeah. it it's gender fluid people who can go between one and the other or you know neither at any given time which is still one that i'm learning about mm-hmm. myself just because it is not what i uh, went through myself Mm-hmm. And it's so it's like a whole new perspective to me. Yeah. And needing to uh, learn about it is, I think, it's a good thing to to learn. I did pull that list up while you were talking, and I think it's really important to go through it because I really do want this to be educational. So, this here, the first one says a gender, mm-hmm. and it says not having a gender or identifying with a gender. People may describe themselves as being gender neutral or genderless. So yeah. what I would take away from that is is people just want to be identified as people yeah. having a human experience. I don't want to be confined to what gender means, whether that's gender roles, all the things that come with that, colours, clothes, jobs, all of those things. They just want to w- walk the earth as people. Yeah. We next have bi-gender. It says a person who fluctuates between traditionally male and female gender-based behaviours and identities. So, again, sort of going back to what you were saying about being a bit more fluid of yeah. of going between bi-gender. I would take that as a person who, who feels they have both male and female identities within themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit more of a rapid one-two with the word bi in there, that it's really yeah. those two distinct genders cisgender which we did reference earlier is a person who whose gender identity and biological sex assigned at birth are the same for example they were born biologically as a male and they express their gender as male mm-hmm. gender expression the external display of one's gender through a combination of how they dress how they act and other factors generally measured on the scales of masculinity and femininity i think it's interesting that they use the word scale there another word that we common use now is spectrum yeah and that fem- feminine is on one end and masculine is on the other and that there is a spectrum it's not just this or that that there are many many places on the spectrum that people can fall The other one, which I think you've already mentioned, was gender fluid, which is a mix of feminine and masculine. A person who is gender fluid may always feel like a mix of the two um, uh, traditional genders, but may feel more masculine on some days and more feminine on other days. I like the the concept of of being fluid because it seems like non-restrictive. And for people who feel more of a flow, to me, flow is like water and easy movement. It's not something that's like constrictive or uh, like being put in a box. And most people we know through whether it's early childhood development and how people best um, work and how how they best. um, What's the word I'm looking for here? How people um, excel the best in lives is when there aren't walls we know that in early childhood development children learn grow develop the best when they are allowed to express themselves when they aren't given unhealthy restrictions in in terms of being told what what they are and how they should express themselves we we see incredible art people who are leaders creating beautiful 
things for the world when they're not put in a in a box. So the the idea of being fluid, whether that's within gender or within your art as an artist, whatever you're doing, that's something that's that sits really comfortably to me. Gender queer, which is what you uh, mentioned a minute ago, a gender identity label often used by many people who don't, do not identify with being a man or a woman or as an umbrella term for many gender non-conforming or non-binary identities. Intersex, a person born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of male or female. For example, a person might be born appearing to be female on the outside, but mostly having male typical anatomy on the inside. Gender variant, I've not heard of this one before, so I am learning. Someone who either by nature or by choice does not conform to a gender-based expectations of society. That's interesting because not conforming to gender roles, that's not really talking about gender identification. I guess it is because a lot of people, there are a lot of women who really identify themselves as women because of the type of work they do. What do you think mm. about some, something like being gender variant and not conforming to specific traditional gender roles? I think that um, people... Like like I said before about, you know, people should be able to identify how they want. I think it's very important that even if someone does identify, you know, more as masculine as more, or mm-hmm. more as feminine. Uh, like you said about the work stuff, uh, say a, a woman working on a construction site or something might take on more. That's so funny because that is the exact um example i was thinking in my head like a woman wanting to be a builder yeah or a man working as a seamstress or mm-hmm. um this job role gets so much flack but like a man being a nanny or a nurse or something very like typically care yeah. related yeah that society is not very accepting of those things are they yeah because they're very stereotypically feminine mm. uh, and so they think you know a, a man can't do those jobs and mm. I, I think that's just wrong because um, if a person can have a skill, mm-hmm. you know, so our society is obsessed with putting things in gender boxes. It is. Colours, clothes, jobs, cars, music, mm-hmm. wrapping paper for your Christmas presents, birthday cards. Like, you go and you see, you know, greetings cards that you get in whatever shop. There are, you know, boys and girls. Like, why can't you just give a person a card? Like, why does everything have to be genders? Because... There are things that, like, a cis woman can only breastfeed a child. You know, a man who is born with male anatomy cannot breastfeed a child. Okay, that is a role that is assigned to sex, like, male or female, because this conversation of gender is different than the reproductive anatomy you were given. I I mean, in terms of breastfeeding, it's interesting, because with... uh... A trans woman on hormone therapy, given enough time, they can develop the 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 right parts to be able to breastfeed. So it's not just cis women. Really? So um, you're educating me there yeah. that I never considered that. So so in a trans woman, mammary glands can develop and the milk can come in and they yeah. can totally perform that function. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Something I absolutely did not know. And on the back end of that. That was an example I was trying to think of of something that is a sign that is a role or a function absolutely assigned to one sex, yeah. but that's been blown out of the water well, by I, your I, education. I, I mean, it is still very stereotypically mm-hmm. a, a woman thing, right? Could now a trans man would not have um, a uterus, so could not 
have a child in utero and give birth. Is that correct? I mean, it depends on if they've had surgery or not. Because um, some people choose to go through with, you know, like top and bottom surgery as they're referred to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people choose not to do that because it's very uh, invasive. And excuse uh, me, I used the wrong phrase. Not a, I didn't mean a trans man, I meant a trans woman. Uh, Somebody who is male and transitioned to female... Mm-hmm. they would not have a uterus so couldn't no, have no, a child no, no, no. so that's something to do with like actual reproduction those are roles and functions that are assigned to sexes but on the back end of that which was just my way of trying to give an example of, of those things that are a bit more constricted things like clothing colors of your bedroom wall as we mentioned greeting cards there is no need to assign a gender to those no. things in society. Why do you think our society is so obsessed with categorising things? It's almost like if a conveyor belt was coming towards you with household items and general things that most people enjoy, why is there some sort of ticker that goes, yep, that's male, yep, that's female? Like, why has a fire truck been assigned as a primarily male toy and a Barbie is considered a female toy? I don't know why... Our, our society is so focused on the gender binary because it just it's it's so odd to me i think it is just more of a viewpoint like oh they don't want their boys seen playing with barbie dolls because they're boys and that's not a boy's toy like you were saying it's just it's it's really really confusing yeah and i i personally don't understand it i always think like the classic, you know, let's take a baby doll, for example. Mm-hmm. That is so common to see a little girl carrying around a baby doll and they're encouraged to, like, pretend to feed it milk and to hold it and to do all of the normal care things. Mm-hmm. And then that sets little girls up for, okay, you're going to be a mother one day, you're going to be the primary caregiver to that child, and we don't expect or put it in a young boy's mind that they might also become a parent and that they may need to learn how to change a nappy or a diaper or feed the child or how do you hold them so I do think that's changing I think the generations now are coming out of that it's not the norm now for fathers not to be involved as they were for let's say the boomer generation who did go out to work and it was totally the mother's job and they never changed a nappy in their life and all of that stuff but why why is it so out of our minds as a society to give a little boy a baby doll and teach him how to care for it like why are we so assigned to that as women and as I said there are many many great parents now who are really bringing up little boys in such a positive way Mm -hmm. because another part of this conversation that we totally need to have is the conversation of positive and toxic masculinity yeah and what that means but we are obsessed with putting things in, in, in genders like, you know, pink is for girls and blue is for boys and boys like race cars and trucks and dragons and dinosaurs and girls like Barbies and My Little Pony and princesses. And it's like, mm, OK, there are, of course, some people who are children who happen to be assigned female anatomy and can children like go yes I'm definitely a female because they don't know what that is they're just Mm. you know kids pick up toys and play with what they want gender expression is not really a thing when you're a child like most children without being aware of it are sort of gender neutral I was a nanny for many years and worked with kids who were in that sort of two to five year old range and 
you put out an array of toys and it is a complete mix and guess for what each child will go for. Yeah. I, I worked for children who were raised in a, a gender neutral house. Like they weren't pushed into you're a little boy and you play with X, Y, and Z. But they would on one day want to play dress up in Barbie and princess dresses. And then other days they would want to play with Legos and dinosaurs. You know, as children, they're not so concerned for it. So at what point do we go, oh, we do need to start being concerned with this and we do start watching what clothes we wear and colours and and how we express our gender. Do you remember a certain age for you where that became a conscious thought? I think it was around the sort of, like, 10 area Mm -hmm. where you start putting in some conscious thought into what you're wearing, how you're presenting yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming up to, like, high school age mm-hmm. uh, in Britain. And people want to be seen as, like, you know, if, say, it's a 10-year-old boy, for example, they want to be, oh, yeah, I'm the the cool the cool boy, you know? It's mm. a very typical... Sporty. Sporty. Yeah. Uh, like you PlayStation, know, you know, yeah, all of that stuff. You know, like the... Uh, popular, whatever popular haircuts going on all the time, and kids are putting a surprising amount of effort into that. Mm-hmm. Like my my younger brother, who's thirteen, uh, he does go for that sort of look, like the sort of he says he doesn't care, but it's quite obvious that he does. <laughs> um, he goes for that quite. That's such an though. age, though, thirteen to like yeah. say you don't care, but actually you care the most you'll ever care. <laughs> Yeah, like for the the sporty look, the the popular hairstyle, mm. uh, whatever's good at the time, or girls starting to put on makeup mm-hmm. and oh, does my hair look good? What hairstyle do I go for? What's not cool? What is cool? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what'll get me the most attention? Yeah, and I think that's that's you know that age like you know, ten early teens is when people start developing yeah what sort of identity they intend to Mm -hmm. go for and uh, express themselves as. To go back to the conversation of of gender being a spectrum, you know, I was sitting there sort of questioning, going, well, you know, if if children are very obviously living pretty gender neutrally and, and are not conforming to one or another, or even if they are, like if there's a little boy who happens to like the things that are classed in our society as traditionally more masculine or whatever it is at what age do we get to where we sort of assign ourselves an identity you'd have to be a really like forward-thinking family to encourage expression at such a young age and oh don't worry about conforming and sort of figure it out and the the conversation of it being a spectrum like that has got to be one in a million for families right now like I, I've never heard of families really being like that so I just wonder at what age I guess you're right it is like early teens like that we sort of become aware of oh well this is how the world's set up and this is what is expected of me mm-hmm. so for somebody who's trans like yourself at what point did you say okay I've sort of been living as the world expected me to, but this doesn't sit right for me, and you decided that you were going to go on your own journey? I was... uh, I was 13 or 14. I had been, you know, presenting male, like, all my life, and, you know, actually expressing uh, that male side of me for a few years, you know, trying to fit in, and it 
always felt wrong. It, something irked me about it. You know, just doing anything and then wondering why aren't I doing what the girls are doing instead? Like, say, in school, I always hated stuff like football and rugby. I thought they were always very, very kind of brutish and a little bit violent. And so I would often sit out on, you know, playing the, those more masculine sports and settling for, I don't know, things like netball or something like that. I was on the netball team for a little while as a, you know. I was as well, I love netball. Yeah, and, you know, being a 10 and 11 year old boy at the time, you know, I got mocked for it. I was going to say, how much flack did you get for that? Yeah, because it's, it's stereotypically feminine mm. and it's not what the world expects mm. and people want you to be like them i think people want you it goes back to what society puts pressure on our society for some reason and it would be longer than this podcast episode to, to figure it out or to even talk about why are we more comfortable when things and people and ideas are in boxes it's why why is it like that most societies are this is how you do it okay you go to school however many le levels of school you go through you get your education then you get your job you do your nine to five you get married you have kids then you retire blah 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 then it's like and there are revolutionary people who say no we walk this world as people with every every conversation, whether it's sexual orientation, gender identity, alternative lifestyles, whatever that shows up as, they live their lives in a really fluid, open way. And their lives are based on relationships and communication and creation. Really, when you think about it, that is how it should be. When we look at the animal kingdom, the animals aren't worried about how are they making their money and what's, you know, when's the mortgage due? They're worried about ticking off the boxes of did they eat today? Are they with their communities? They roam around the world. There's there's more of a free, fluid way of living. And there are people who live that way. Of course, there's many parts of the animal kingdom that are barbaric and, you know, parents eat their children. I'm not saying we should adapt <laughs> yeah. to that. But, but there are people who live these really fluid lifestyles. An example of that would be people that live in communes or people that are typically called like hippies or that live mm -hmm. in camper vans and travel the world and they're looked at by society as freaks and outcasts and they're the weird ones when actually are they the ones that have got it right is that how we should be living like how many of us who are working the nine to five worried about our mortgages and pensions and doing it the way society tells us to do it and they are so stressed mm -hmm. and get physically sick from the emotional stress, then they're living in societies and families that don't talk about mental health and emotional and spiritual growth. And there's n there's no contribution to those parts of their lives. It's, you know, rough places like where some of our family's from, your family's from the north, my family's from Glasgow, you know, like rougher cities where it's based on almost like survival yeah. instead of like um, flourishing and blooming. And there are people who have never had anybody contribute to the emotional or spiritual growth in their life. And do you think we'd be like better off if we all lived in a more fluid way, whatever that meant for us? Yeah, I, I do think so, because it's seeing so many people, you know, who are fluid, who are who can flourish given their own means and stuff. You, you see people who are born they go through school, go through work, get married, have kids, and they, like, they'll never leave, like, this little box they were put in. Mm. Uh, 
because there's safety in being conformed to some degree Mm -hmm. because you know what to expect it's always going to be the same but if you fill up a box that's great because you can feel the walls and you you know what's there but you can never grow Mm -hmm. and eventually you know the box is going to get full Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's you know family issues piling up or mental health and it's stuff that just doesn't get talked about until it hits breaking point and then people just snap Mm. You know, that's where things need to be talked about before they become an issue. Yeah. Not after. Yes. Um, Like mental health. Like mental health still being somewhat of a taboo mm. is ridiculous because mm-hmm. it's so, so important. So many people uh, live their lives with, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, and uh, they just think, Oh, I'll go to the doctors, get some medication for it, and I'll be fine. Mm. Or, um, I mean, and some people wouldn't even do that. No. And then they realise something isn't working, and it, it's not just pills that is going to get them through the day. They need to actually talk about their issues, talk about their health. Like, like I said, it's taboo, but people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to hear about how you're depressed. Mm-hmm. People don't want to hear about how... You had a rough day and it's you're really down and you're worried about something that's coming up tomorrow or the day after mm-hmm. because it sets the mood down yeah it, it you know it, it brings the mood down and people want to believe they can live in this uh this happy-go-lucky dream world where mm. everything is laid out for them and nothing can ever go wrong yeah uh and you know they, they think they will have these average nine to five married kids life but it's just not the case sometimes i think more people struggle with so many parts of their lives than they let on you know we we reference it in almost every episode you know the the influx of social media and how it's the highlight reel and god you want to talk about comparison and feeling crap about yourself when you boil down to it of what social media really is of course there's lovely things about it living in america being british it's great to have social media to see what my family's up to and if i post a picture all of my family can see it instead of having to privately email everyone it's got wonderful amazing things i've connected with fabulous people there's lots of positive movements on there there's got its its bright side but the thing that infuriates me is that when you look at things like pictures that people are posting that people are comparing themselves to and they're not even real pictures like they're photoshopped face tuned to just an extreme level and that's what we're comparing to so I don't even know how I got on the rant of social media but just just that living in this like fake utopia and it's like well behind the screens as you say those people are living with mental health issues that never get talked about Mm -hmm. and to jump back to the list because I do want to continue it because I think it's as I've been saying important that people get these keywords and understand the definition of them so the next one is mx and it says it's a title for what we would traditionally have as like Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. That is a gender neutral. So it's mm-hmm. it's the way of addressing somebody formally who considers themselves or identifies more gender neutral. The third gender. Again, this is a new one for me, so I'm learning here. A term for a person who does not identify with either man or woman, but identifies with another gender. This gender category is used by societies that recognize three or more genders, both contemporary and historic, is also a conceptual term meaning different things to different people who use it what i know about this is from a book i read um and i'm sure there are many cultures that do it but native americans they are definitely a culture that consider that there is a third gender and additional i believe they 
have multiple, multiple genders. Have you ever had experience with cultures that um, have more than one gender, like outside our Western cultures that just have the two? I don't have any personal experience, no, but I, I can I can guess there would be some cultures that do mm-hmm. accept a third gender or more, and I think that's really good. Yeah. Because, uh, like I said, pe- people shouldn't need to be put into, like, the gender binary, like, you know, you're born uh, with, like, male genitalia, or you're a man, and you won't be a man forever or whatever, mm-hmm. or same for a woman. And it is just so silly to me because it gives no freedom. Mm -hmm. It gives not a lot of room to kind of work with anything and grow and, you know, flourish as yourself. Because, you you know, you can be born a man, you can be born a woman. You aren't just that, you are you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, you know, you should be able to show that. Yeah. Like, who, who cares what's you know exactly under your shirt or in your trousers like it's just none of their business yeah Um, that's such an interesting part of the conversation because I've noticed that people who you know will give them the benefit of the doubt probably are trying to just understand but when it comes to things like talking about transgender people are obsessed almost or really curious of wanting to know like what are you and it's again that putting people in boxes and what people are really asking is what genitalia do you have? Yeah. You'd never ask anybody else about their genitalia in yeah. any other setting. So why are you asking a trans person? Because yeah. what you're what you're really saying is like, okay, well what as you said, like what's going on in your trousers? Like what were you born with? And and especially when it comes to conversation of post-op or if people choose to have operations like like, that is such a personal you know you wouldn't go and ask me if I've had a boob job or if I've had a labiaplasty or anything like it's not an issue that cis people usually talk about like have you had surgery to any part of your body like but people really want to know like with trans men they want to know like oh have you had your top surgery or and it's like that is none of people's business do Mm. you think that it's fair for people to ask that because it's a part of the educational discussion or that is something you stay away from i think personally i've i've had this and it's one of the first questions i get Mm. uh you know someone will come up to me and if they if they clock me as trans they'll say oh so you getting surgery and I'm like... Is this like a random stranger? But someone I barely even know. Oh my gosh. Uh, saying, oh, so are you, are you getting surgery for, you know, down there or anything? And I'm like, um, I'm quite fine. Can you, like, please leave me alone? Yeah, can you <laughs> like, stop I, asking me really impersonal questions? Yeah, it's so invasive and yeah. so awful. Like, I'm not going to ask them, oh, are you getting like are you are you getting a boob job yeah no maybe that should be your response if if you like just throw it back at them and just make it so like it's ludicrous for me to ask you why do you think you could ask me yeah it's like oh are you planning to get botox anytime yeah it's just like you don't ask people that. No. So, so that think... is that is an educational thing for people to to understand is that in regards to transgender, which is the next one on the list, and the description is a person who lives as a member of a gender other than the expected based on the sex assigned at birth. So this could be a male assigned genitalia person moving to live their life expressing as a woman mm-hmm. and vice versa. So again, for people to understand, a trans man is somebody who has who has transitioned from a female to a male. 
Mm-hmm. And a trans woman is somebody who has transitioned from a male to expressing their lives as a female. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what I know as my education. I want you to correct me if it's not right and continue the conversation. So yeah. to me, the appropriate way to engage with somebody talking about the issue of being transgender is you can ask people their pronouns and the pronouns are as a cis woman myself my pronouns are are she and her because I identify as a woman Mm -hmm. for somebody who identifies as a man their pronouns would be he and him and other people can be referred to as they or them I actually had a massive lesson yesterday um that there are more than that for their pronouns and it's on the bottom here of z and and her spelled h-i-r mm-hmm. i didn't even know that there was more than the, than the three of masculine feminine and gender neutral being they and them did mm-hmm. you know that, that that there was more than more yeah, than those three it's another one i need to learn about because it's again a, a confusing one for me as well as you know like the gender fluidity i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. i love um, also just side note in there that even though you're so involved in this conversation that you're sitting there saying that it's still confusing for you and that you've got a lot to learn i think that that's a wonderful thing yeah, because I, what's the point in us all pretending that we've got it all figured out and yeah we know everything it's it's so much better to hold your hand and say yeah i don't know all about that and i'm interested in in getting educated yeah like of course the thing is with this community is that i think we are always learning about each other mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of wonderful really because even when you know things are are in the dark and you you don't know what's going on. You don't mm-hmm. know what these pronouns mean or how someone with this uh, this identity thinks. It, you can ask them. Mm-hmm. You can you can learn from them. Obviously, don't go asking very intrusive questions. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. Be a decent uh, person. Yeah. Be a normal person and don't ask those questions. Yeah, it, like be a normal person because in the end, you are speaking to a normal person. Just because they have a different gender identity, they are still a human. We are still you know flesh and blood underneath and i think that's important for people to realize absolutely Um, you know trans people or queer people in general we're not a spectacle we don't want to be treated like a spectacle we want to be treated like normal people which is a shame because a lot of the time we aren't we're treated as oh look at this new person they they're trans how cool is that like i've been introduced before as oh, this is Mari, she's trans. I'm like, why did you say that? Mm. <laughs> why would you... you wouldn't say, this no. is Jessica, she's cis. No, like, it's just not necessary. I'm, mm. I'm, say I'm at a pub or something. I'm with my friends, I get introduced as, this is Mari, that's it. Like, that's good. That's good, just keep it like that because mm-hmm. it's completely unnecessary mm-hmm. to go any further than that. Well, as a society, we're also obsessed with identifying others. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to call somebody out the other day that I knew. Um, they were talking about a group of people that they were, were with and, um, you know, men- mentioned about a bunch of different names. And they said, oh, yeah, and then that's, I can't remember his name, but they said his name and they said, oh, yeah, that's the uh, Indian guy. And I said, why did you not mention the race of any other person? And this is a person who was telling the story that I love and is a good person and was being ignorant at the time. Mm-hmm. I said, why did you only identify the non-white person and call out their race? And it was like, oh, I don't know why I did that. And I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. And, and, and they had to process it because it, it's just a thing that for a privileged white person, 
it's sort of ingrained in you and you don't think anything of it unless you're being aware of yourself. And it's the same thing when it comes to gender identity. Why would someone identify you as trans and not also identify me as cis? It's mm -hmm. the pointing out of other, because as you say, it's still so not accepted and mainstream and norm for us that we're sort of looking at it as a spectacle of they're different, they're different. Yeah, oh, they're weird. You know, look how interesting that is it's mm -hmm. so weird how freaky and it's like yeah can you not <laughs> have you found that people have have befriended you or leveraged you and your difference for their own gain like wanting to be seen with you because they think it's edgy and cool i've definitely had people talk to me because i'm trans and make friends with me through that does that offend um, you i don't know if i'm offended i just feel a little bit off about it mm -hmm. because it's like are you making friends with me because i'm me or because i'm you know your mm. your fun thing to talk about in the morning after you've got home from the pub mm -hmm. you know oh i met this suit this super cool trans woman how cool is that mm. just sort of like a, a bullet point on their resume of of how open and cool they are yeah like oh i'm awesome see I, i've done this 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 and met a trans woman <laughs> yeah like it's something so to stupid. check off and I think it goes back to what you very beautifully spoke about a minute ago of that we're all just people. Something I learned when I was doing my travels a couple of years ago, you know, I went to Asia and I went to Africa and I was traveling for about five months spread over a couple of years. And the one thing I came away with, because I remember somebody asked me, what was like the main thing you learned that you did, you did all this really, you know, and I was like in the jungles and in the bit like really out out there what what did you really learn from it and the moment when I really learned it was I was doing a homestay with a family in Borneo literally in the middle of the jungle they did not speak a word of English and part of the program I was on was you go and you stay with with them for two nights and you sort of live how a local would live like we had our group projects but just as they would, like you would wake up in the morning, have breakfast and then go and do your project like you were going to go do the work day and then come home and have the evening with them and sleep in their houses. And at first I was so scared because I thought, how am I going to communicate? What if they don't like me? You know, all the things that come up. Yeah. And first of all, they were the nicest people ever. And it was amazing to me how I did not speak one word of their language, which I believe is... Saba is the region, I don't know if that's the name of the language, I'm terrible for forgetting, and they didn't speak one word of English. And yet, we were able to communicate. We sort of were showing each other pictures, and they could get that I was telling them that this was my family, and they were showing me pictures of their family, and the little kids were coming and showing me their toys, and we were able to spend this time without really ever using language, like vocal language that we each could understand. So that was incredible. And also watching their routine of, hang on, this is the exact same thing that my family do all the way across the world in England. You get up, the grandmother and the mothers made tea and we all had breakfast and then they kissed their kids of the family off as they went to work and people went about and did their jobs and they all had little lunch boxes because everybody needs lunch at 12 o'clock and then you do your work day, you come home and people wanted to do what everybody wants to do speak to their family watch a bit of tv read a book the kids were all playing with games they they played 
it and hide and seek and all of these games that are normal to us. And it dawned on me, I was like, everybody is the same. Here I am, a young British woman who's grown up in, in Great Britain, living her life, how she lives her life. And here is this family in Borneo, in the jungle, the other side of the world, and they're doing the exact same thing. And I walked away with this understanding that everybody needs the same basic things, whether you're from a tribe in the Amazon, whether you're from London, New Mexico, America, Kenya, or the outskirts of Perth in Australia, everybody needs a community. Everybody needs a bit of food and water and shelter and a purpose. And I'm sure other things, you know, the, the the ability to, you know, have a functioning body. But the basics are the same. And every culture and and country and, and group of people go about it a little bit different, sure, and have different methods of getting there. But that's the same thing. And I walked away from all this travel going, people are the same. And people are people. And everybody loves a good laugh. Everybody needs a hug when they're sad. And, and I just loved it when you use the reference of people just want to be seen as people. Mm -hmm. I just think that that is the thing we all need to remember is that however you identify or however you express yourself, we're all just people at the end of the day and how much better off we would be and how much richer our lives would be if we accepted everybody because how much are we missing out by excluding those who we see as other? Yeah, it's it's very important that people do see each other as people and and equals because it's just it's completely wrong like you said we we all need the same basic things and being treated fairly is one of those it's actually quite funny because today coincidentally it landed on the trans day of remembrance for remembering people who trans people who have been murdered and this past year was 331 some countries aren't is included. that number for great britain uh, no, worldwide. It's, it's worldwide. Okay. And some countries that isn't including because they don't give trans people the time of day to even write that they died. So it's 331 plus as of today from this date last year. And I was I was reading through it on the train here, actually, the, the death reports. It's hardly even given any time or respect. Like, be, people will be murdered, trans people will be murdered and they'll have their dead name listed in the newspapers and I'm like well, why dead a dead name being uh the the name used before the transition for people needing to know that mm -hmm. um it's just it's so awful like why can't we treat people with any sort of respect mm. and it's just really upsetting of course uh, it is. You know, it, it absolutely is. And it's it's not giving people the respect for their decisions because we so need them to be what we feel they need to be for our benefit. Because yeah. let's be honest, most of us are thinking about ourselves. Mm. And it takes a conscious person to to look outside themselves of what's best for other people. And going to uh, LGBTQIA rally or march as a cis straight person like what benefit does that give me i'm not fighting for my rights no you, but it's I'm, I'm fighting for the rights of people that i love yeah and it's important because i believe that when everybody's respected and when everybody is represented we will live in a better society that i would like to live in mm. you know so you're 100 percent correct that that those deaths need to be honored as an absolute tragedy you know and given the respect 
that that they are and yeah. and when it comes to respecting people using their their correct and preferred pronouns and referring to them as the gender that they're expressing that's just like basic respect yeah. and i feel like people you know of course there's people out there who have what they believe is a moral high ground that whatever you know opinions are that it's wrong or it's a choice or whatever believe that they're in some way correct by disregarding those things have you ever and i'm sadly can guess that the answer is yes encountered that negative side of it of being harassed and being abused and and ridiculed for the life that you you're living I can definitely say that, you know, unfortunately I do get looks in the street, you know, being called names and stuff. It's just, a part of it is just, you've got to think, I can't let it bother you, you're you're living your best life, you know? You're living how you want to mm-hmm. express yourself and you shouldn't let anyone knock you down a peg. And that's, that's why those murders are so sad because that's 331 people who were living how they wanted to and that was taken from them for the the reason being being trans is wrong you aren't the same as me and so why do you exist and people are so afraid of what they don't understand exactly and i feel like there's this point that everybody comes to where they're confronted with something that they don't understand or is not on their radar or in their everyday or something that they've not grown up with and there's a decision that you can make where you can either turn and go this is different and therefore different equals scary, and mm. I'm going to attack and defend myself against what I think is scary. Yeah. And the branches off of that tree are trans people and queer people getting murdered, attacked, yeah. sexually assaulted, disrespected. Yeah, like, it's, it's really unfortunate, but it's not like the state even backs the trans people on this one. In 40 states of America or above 40 states in America, it is okay to give, I was confused and trapped as a defense of murdering someone who is trans. If you were to meet someone at the bar, you know, you hit off, you get on really well, you go back to their place, you find out they're trans, and out of a fit of confusion and anger, you kill them. You can use that as a defense, and you'll, you'll, get, you'll get off with it absolutely ridiculous because and barbaric it's it's given as sort of this oh well they didn't tell you so they they lied to you they were deceptive what do you think of that idea that it's a trans person's responsibility to tell you that they're trans i think it's completely wrong because it's just... again it's like the example you use of like meeting somebody in a bar people and then it is going to lead to a sexual encounter there are people that believe it's totally their right to know what genitalia they're going home with mm. What does that conjure up for you in terms of thoughts and feelings? I, I think that, you know, as a, as a trans person myself, I would have some responsibility in making someone aware. But I don't think people should be surprised or confused or angry mm-hmm. about that sort of thing. But it's okay for someone to say their feelings on it. Like, I'm trying to think of the example of you know if you told somebody you were trans and they didn't want to continue how would you want to be told that they didn't want to continue what's a respectful kind way to do that they could just say they're not interested in that they say it's a straight man or something a straight cis man and it's a a trans woman in question and they say no I'm, i'm not attracted to that part and you know you're lovely but i'm not interested in something like that Mm. And, you know, that's, it, it hurts, it hurts, but, you know, 
I think it always will be a, a little bit, you know, harsh, mm-hmm. but that, that's the least you could do is, is say, sorry, you're lovely, but I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, because then know. that brings up that if you've sat at the bar with them and you've gotten a feeling of sexual arousal and that you're interested in them and attracted to them and you've made the step of wanting to take it a step further, why does a particular body part or particular genitalia make a difference and some people would say it doesn't and some people would say it does i think it comes into orientation i think people are scared to be put into they say again the the idea of a a a straight cis man and a trans woman they don't want to be seen as gay Mm. because that's still such a, a scary thing yeah because it's they don't want to be part of a marginalized group and they still inherently see a trans woman as a man because they still have a penis Mm. and it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. because they could go through hormone therapy they could go through everything and you know they've got the secondary sex characteristics they've got the body what is that we explain what that means secondary so secondary sex characteristics being like you know breasts thighs hips uh you know they they'd have that sort of body appearance yeah and they'd look like a woman and you wouldn't be able to tell that Mm -hmm. you know they still had male genitalia Mm -hmm. i think that that's what people are generally attracted to because you you can't see what people have got going on Mm -hmm. unless you've got some weird x-ray vision (laughs) yeah uh you never know what you're going to get anyway, so who cares if it's not what you expected? Do you think people, deep down, if they were honest with themselves or did the exploratory work and came to a conclusion, are more, when it comes to gender and sexual orientation, more fluid and it is more a spectrum thing than they acknowledge? I, I totally think that gender and sexual orientation is a spectrum. And people are scattered amongst the spectrum rather than being one side or the other. Yeah, like I've had I've had a boyfriend in the past who was strictly into women. You know, he was a, a straight cis man, and he was and, into cis women. Yeah, he was into cis women, and he ended up liking me, and we, you know, we got together, and he found out about himself that it's you know you're not just straight or gay or bi mm-hmm. or anything. It's there's a very clear spectrum where you either like you know masculine traits or you like feminine traits it's not about the genitalia it's Mm -hmm. it is very much about the secondary sex characteristics right for say a man it'd be you know or the muscles the facial hair the you know the the facial structure Mm -hmm. and that's say what you know a cis woman would go for yeah a, a straight cis woman and it is so much of a spectrum mm-hmm. and people don't realise that they're scared. Oh, if I go on a date with a trans woman, will people think I'm gay? Well, I was just going to say that most most people who are not understanding and are ignorant about the situation would say, oh, well, you know, if he's dated only and been attracted to only cis women in the past and now he's suddenly with a trans woman, that really just means he's gay and he's not found it out yet. And there's no acknowledgement that, no, it's just a spectrum. Yeah. Like, and if he dated a trans woman and had a relationship and for some reason that came to an end, that him going back to cis women or dating a cis woman in the future, it wouldn't be fraudulent. It's Mm. not like, oh, he's been gay all along. 
Because gay yeah. is sort of thing as something that people can get on board with. It's like, okay, well, he's obviously gay. It's like, well, what about the idea that he's pansexual or mm. fluid? Like, those yeah. things are not as concretely accepted. Yeah, I like to think of it as not assigning labels. Like, you know, like, uh, people can be sexually attracted to masculine and feminine traits. But I like to think that people are sexually attracted to people. They, mm -hmm. You know, it's very... Spe like specific people yeah and it's not based on their sex or gender identity it's say a, a straight cis man sees a cis woman and thinks wow she's attractive i'd go on a date with her and then sees a trans woman and says wow she's attracted i'd go on a date with her it doesn't matter what's between the legs or mm. anyway because it's just completely like on a person-to-person -person basis mm. and I think it's okay for people to say it does matter what's between the, the legs for them. Yeah, like, totally, totally. But it's not okay to be disrespectful or hateful in any way. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think I would go as far as to say if everybody did the work and really was honest with themselves, everyone's pansexual and you can have sex with whoever you want. No, because there are, there are so. people that are cis and straight and... Mm. In no way am I saying, like, well, that's what should be represented the most, because it's not. But there are people who that is their identity yeah, and course. expression, and that's the way they're going to live their lives. In no way are we sitting here trying to say everybody should be attracted to everything, because that's just not the reality. No, it's not. But what needs to happen is the conversation of respect and understanding and awareness. Where do you feel you are emotionally in your journey of being transgender? Emotionally, I'm I'm quite comfortable. You know, I've been on hormones for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I've been out for closer to two years, and I I'm I'm starting to get used to things. I'm being treated as a woman legally. I've had my name changed. I you know when I meet new people, I'm introduced as Mari. I'm introduced as a woman, mm -hmm. uh, and people who have known me. Uh, before I transitioned are seeing me as a woman and I think that it's really really good I think I I'm at a, part, a point in my life where I'm happy with how I'm being treated and how my transition is coming along physically mm -hmm. obviously I still suffer with gender dysphoria um, what is that gender dysphoria is the, the feeling of still having for me, it's having masculine traits, like seeing facial hair crop up or uh, having male genitalia, and it makes you feel uncomfortable. And with gender dysphoria, it's a feeling of being trapped in this uh, this body that, you know, biologically you were, you were given, mm -hmm. uh, but you don't identify with the features. Yeah. So say for, like, a trans man, they could feel dysphoric about... Um, you know, like the the secondary sex characteristics, like the breasts, like the thighs, uh, a feminine figure, uh, and trans women feeling feeling uncomfortable with, say, body hair, mm -hmm. or muscle, or uh, you know, genitalia or anything like that. Or well, the Adam's apple, I know, yeah, is a big thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's one which catches me off sometimes. Where mm. I'm just like, oh, I don't need to hide that. How do you combat um, that dysphoria? Because that's not a state you want to live in. You don't want no. to live in a in a state of mind where you're unhappy. No, I, 
I think, you know, the best way of com- combating dysphoria is, uh, you know, hormone therapy, taking mm-hmm. hormones. For me, when I get dysphoric about facial hair, I, like, cover up with makeup. You know, I just cake myself full of makeup just to try and at least hide it a little bit. And mm-hmm. I'll always see it because it's, you know, even if it's hardly there, it's just my mind imprints it on my face. Sure. And I'm just like, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> and... Unfortunately, there's there's nothing I can do about it unless I get like laser or something mm-hmm. to just get it completely removed. And I know something um, that pe- that trans people combat a lot is that when they do want to go down the journey of surgery, it's so expensive, and yeah. the average person does not have the money to have the surgeries that they want to and deserve to have. And I know that's really difficult. The financial stress of things. Yeah, the the finance is pretty awful mm. uh i know you can get some help with it on nhs yeah um, well that's good that the nhs are being s- somewhat supportive at least yeah uh they can be quite good sometimes though that for for wales for example every trans person or you know gender variant person in uh in wales gets sent to one gender identity clinic in london that's one for an entire country and it kind of needs to be, you know... More available. Bucked up a bit. I know they... I think they're opening one in Cardiff. Uh, I don't know when or, you know, where exactly, mm, but... Hopefully uh, soon. And the NHS, for those of our listeners outside Great Britain, that's the National Health Service. That's the the service that we all get as British taxpayers. We have, you know, we have access to that healthcare. What are some of your aspirations and hopes and dreams for the future? Well, for, you know, personal hopes, uh, you know, I, I'd i like to be as feminine as I want to be. I'd like to be seen by everyone, you know, as a woman, because that's what I am. I, I'm, I'm a woman. And I want that to extend to every trans person, because it's frankly what they deserve or the queer community in general, you know, they need to be respected just Mm. like everyone else needs to be respected. You know, Mm. if we can combat, you know, racism and things like that, why can't we combat in... Transphobic. Yeah, like, there's just no need for transphobia. No space for it. No need for homophobia. It just... It's... Why? Mm. Why be so hateful? Yeah. But in terms of aspirations, I... I just really want to see a future where people can be happy and be kind and, you know, be able to mix with each other, no, no matter what gender, race, identity, orientation, because none of it matters. You know, In it, terms of connection, yeah. and making, sitting across from somebody in, in a moment of need or in true connection, none of that stuff makes a difference. No, it, it really doesn't. And it's a message that I, I want to get out there. I want people... To know that people just want to be treated like people, as I said earlier. Amen. Well, I cannot thank you for giving us your valuable time and telling us your incredible story and just sharing your heart with us and sharing you with us. It's been our pleasure. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Let's Be Honest. Be sure to follow us across social media using the tag Let's Be Honest the Podcast. A very special thank you to our guest, Mari Viner, for more information on how you can support transgendered people in your life or your community. Head to transunite.co.uk or the LGBT Foundation. Join us in two weeks' time for a brand new episode with a very special guest. Bye.